0: This podcast is produced by The Brand is Female. Hi, I'm Mungi. Welcome to the Everyday Ubuntu podcast. Ubuntu is the philosophy that highlights our common humanity and the idea that we are all interconnected. If you want to know more about Ubuntu, I invite you to pick up a copy of my book, Everyday Ubuntu Living Better Together the African Way. Every week on this podcast, I speak to guests who are on a similar journey as mine, fighting for justice and learning along the way. In these conversations, we explore what we can learn from the human experience when we realize we are interconnected and acknowledge each other's point of view. My guest this week is Kula Fafana, president of the People's Foundation Africa, an organization working for marginalized and hard to reach communities in Liberia and across Africa. She's an activist who has spent her life providing services for her community and has served the Liberian government in different capacities, as well as consulting for several UN agencies. Welcome to Everyday Ubuntu Kula. I'm so excited to have you on here. And um, I wanted to actually start by asking you a question that I ask all of my guests. So my mom says that our resumes are not a full explanation of who we are as a person. And because of that, I want to ask you, what is missing from your resume, your CV, that that people should know about you?
1: Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor and pleasure to be here. Um, I think your mom is actually right. Tell her that, that I said she's right. <laughs> because, <I'll> tell her. <laughs> <laughs> because there's so much we just outline on our CV because of how... Um, professionalism is supposed to be but i will say um i believe i'm a good person and i look at the world from even though i've i come from a country that has had a period of conflict and all my all of my experiences from growing up in liberia and visiting other parts of the world have had an impact on who I am as a person, my views, my aspirations and all of that. But I think generally um, I'm someone who is um, calm, try to assess situation, a peacemaker, um, someone who wants to see a better world uh, for my generation, generation um, after us. So basically I would say that's me if that makes sense.
0: <laughs> it makes sense, and it sounds like we need more of you in the world right now.
1: Well, I, I'm here. With my little...
0: <laughs> well, so you grew up in Liberia during the Civil War, and I wonder, obviously this is a weird question, but how did that affect you?
1: Um, well, it actually affected every part of my growing up life. So actually, um, I was a toddler, two years old, when the actual civil war started that had gun violence and all of that. Um, But before that, there were, of course, obviously um, conflict, disagreements with uh, regimes, and there were a bubbling of people who were thinking of transforming the way things were. So obviously, the the, the discussion and the conversation around the conflict were already taking place. Um, but uh, when I, w- I was two uh, in our village mm-hmm. and uh, I nearly got forgotten when the actual war took place on the farm. So when the uh, bullets hit our village, everyone, everyone ran for their lives, ran to find some refuge. And I was only two. And I was left under this thatch hut because everyone, at that point, everyone is, you know, is scared and, and looking right. for me. So after about 30 minutes or 45 minutes in the, bushes, a relative remember that, oh, we're forgetting um, Makula. or by then they call me bona. So they had to run back to get me. So from that point onward, it has been until 2005, but between the 19... 19- in it, 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 the 1990s um, all along it has been being in a refugee camp or in a displaced camp or being in a temporary housing area because the conflict was like sporadic it will happen this time and it happened again so imagine you have to move from one place to another so we're always in the nomadic form until 2005 when we had uh, the election of uh, Madam Solis, that's when I, you know, I I mean, personally, that's when I really saw a sense of uh, peace, I would say. Um, So it really have affected me um, because I really didn't really have a childhood growing up because Mm -hmm. it, it was always a disruption you would think that, yes, this, today is normal, but you don't know what tomorrow brings. And then, bam, you have to get going. So that's how it's been all. you know. So it, it really impacted me. It even impacted my worldview and put me into this um, paradox of confusion of Liberia. Like, a little girl, what did I do to deserve all of these um, in this country, you know? So, yeah, it really affected me.
0: And you are the president of the People's Foundation Africa. Could you tell us more about the organization?
1: Yeah, so the idea of the organization really stemmed um, back um, a while back, around 2015, um, where a lot of things, when I left university and when did my Um, When I left bachelors and then there was a need to contribute, I thought that uh, from where we've come, there has been a lot of challenges when it comes to elevating people's voices. And Mm for me, where I came from, seeing colleagues who were all friends, some dropping out of school, not understanding what the situation is, our effort to help you know, support hard-to-reach communities because development or contributions is such centralized in our place. So people who are in hard-to-reach communities um, normally do not receive, you know, the um, impact of development. Someone jokingly recently said that um, during campaign time, the ballot boxes make their way into the most the remotest part of communities, but uh, development doesn't get there. you know mm-hmm. So those those uh, places are something that I really feel passionate about, especially growing up from a very humble beginning, not having food to eat, especially during the war years. Um, sometimes we had a war for long distances during the crisis we were on the refugee camp, my mom and myself when I was still young, we go to do this batter system where if you have uh, um, chicken stock and someone has salt, you trade that for cassava or rice or fish, you know, those kinds of things. We did that just to survive. Someday we even had to make what we call the cream of wheat or the porridge in a form of uh, our local food like stew and mix it to eat it just to get surviving. So going through all of those years, even sometimes not having Tuition, to complete school, so seeing how I can use my voice and my platform to, you know, contribute and reach to hard-to-reach communities. That's how we decided to form the um, People's Foundation Africa for people in hard-to-reach communities in terms of helping them with um, advocacy, be elevating their the voices um, on advocacy um, on. Uh, Agriculture, health, especially for women and girls, uh, reproductive, and reproductive health and rights
0: right. issues. And you're also the CEO of my new Crib Realty. What sparked the creation of this company? Um, so uh, my new Crib Realty. So Crib in
1: Liberia it means like a, your, your your home, a domicile. You know. So right. my new. My New creep Realty, the, the whole idea comes from, because a lot of time, ownership of homes is basically reserved for the, the affluent, the rich people, you know? So the idea of creating this company is so cut across all sectors of our society, uh, people who are interested in owning a home. So we have, because normally companies serve high-end clients. And our clients, um, we look for people who are of diverse background, how we connect customers to services, people who want to construct homes, but also people who have homes to to sell or to refurbish and all of that. So the whole idea is to create uh, that uh, bubble of clients, service providers niche, so that they will be able to communicate easily. But also our end goal is to really be able to reach to especially young um, people who intending to own home, but they do not have the resources. So we work with them, work with the uh, budgets and see how we can help support them in terms of their home ownership um, drive.
0: I mean, you're doing so much and so I wonder when you were younger, what did you want to be when you grew up?
1: So, you know, uh, I'm sure most uh, Africans share this, like, there, there are certain careers mm-hmm. that is online. <laughs> so you either a lawyer, you're a doctor, doctor, <laughs> or you're a banker, something that, that has, that, that your people can see and you know that you can earn, but, you know, advocacy, so... I was, I was always in that because I grew up loving the sciences. And, and my background when I was in school, there is this whole narrative around girls in education. That, oh, girls do not like the sciences or girls uh, are not good at mathematics. So I came from a place wanting to understand why will they say girls are not good at sciences or, math, or the math? So I went beyond to understand why. So I was more interested in the sciences. So of course, most times when you're doing science, like the physics, the chemistry, or the biology, they tell you, oh, you want to be a doctor, of course. And I fell in that category. So I wanted to be a doctor. Um, but unfortunately, I couldn't become a doctor. And we were refugee, running here, there, Yana. Um, However, I ended up becoming an advocate. And being an advocate, how do you explain to your parents or well, your are guiding that you're an advocate, how can you make sense of that? So mm. I just ended up like, okay, advocacy, we talk for people, and mm. they want to see that it isn't bringing home the paychecks and all of that. I was like, oh, no, but we have a plan and, and so and so. So, I mean, yes, I wanted to be a medical doctor, but then it was two ways. One is our system here was so much challenging because then we, when I, graduated high school, we're still in a recovery era, um, and then there was still uncertainty with our education system. The only university that offered the sciences, if it's not rioting, the students are on go slow, the teachers are on go slow, or some, some kind of problem is happening. So that's how I didn't go to that. So my next option was to study mass communications and then sociology.
0: You, you're part of the inaugural class of leaders for the amuje initiative, Um, and I think I may have said that incorrectly, if you could correct me, could you share more about this initiative with my listeners?
1: Absolutely. So the Amuntre Initiative is part of um, President Shirley for those who do not know who President Shirley is. She was the first female president of Africa, particularly of Liberia. She broke that glass ceiling um, and she helped transform our country from the, the war-torn country to a country in progress and in recovery. And during the end of her presidency, she thought that there was a need to be able to bring a lot of women along the spectrum. Because if you see um, generally, you'll understand that there are very few women um, in leadership or women in public service. And there are many challenges that hampers women um, access and women's rise to political leadership on the african continent so um, as part of her legacy as part of her presidential legacy was to be able to bridge the gap between women who are on the continent and doing well to be able to help give them that extra push that's how the Amunji leadership um, was leaders initiative was, was founded to be able to elevate women's voices, um, connect women's opportunity, build that sisterhood. Because trust me, my dear, is there are many challenges that women go through. Even though there are women who are trying their best um, in politics, in boardrooms, in the private lives, um, but you definitely need a space that you can connect, you can share experiences, and you can learn and build on each other. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, because people come at women from every angle when they... Decide to become leaders. Um, when I was reading about you, I also read that you're a farmer, and so I'm just wondering how someone who's doing everything you're doing also has time to be a farmer. You know, as I
1: said earlier, especially what happened when I was growing up, when I was two, uh, where um, it was on—it was actually on our farm when the rocket hit our village and we were on a the farm then. So I come from a family of farmers. So even during the refugee days while we we're on the refugee camp here in Liberia, my mom used to make the cassava patch, a potato patch mm-hmm. so that when we, we harvest that we have food to eat. So we we, we are part of that uh, family of farmers. So there was there's nothing I can do without you know being invested in that. So um, I tried my best to be able to prioritize my priorities, but yes, um, farming for me helps to, um, help with this whole concept of making sure that we are full secure. Mm-hmm.
0: Is there a quote or a phrase that, you know, you think of in tough moments, um, or some sort of principle that keeps you going in difficult times? absolutely
1: um so i've always admired several i think but uh, one quote i really have uh, stuck with me over all of these years has to do with that of uh Mahama gandhi that says be the change you want to see um so it is it is that simple uh yes i've had a very challenging and difficult childhood growing up um but what contribution can i can i make to change that Yes, I do not have to, like, uh, be uh, something bigger to be able to create that change. I can start doing that little change from my own little space. So that's what has really inspired me to contribute. Even if I am just um, that one farmer, like, just plant the best crop you want to do. Or if you see something wrong with something, you try. If you can use your voice, use it. If you can use your hands, use it. If you can use your leg, use it. Even your eyes do that so at least you can just um, contribute to that transformation because change starts from the first step and that's what happened currently true
0: well speaking about you know being the change you want to see i know that you ran for senate in your home county and unfortunately you lost but you continue to do the work for your community so I wonder if you have advice for young women who may see a loss or a defeat as sort of the end of their dreams.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, think of uh, success. Is such sometimes um, success is overrated, especially in its fine print. Um, when you see all this glamorous, oh, this person has achieved so much. But if you have an opportunity to really sit and have a conversation or even walk a day in the shoe of that person, you will know that everything was not that successful. And, and I could I have chosen to not even mention that on my CV publicly, right? But I, it's, it's, it's there that I contested election and I didn't win. Um, for me, I see that as an opportunity to work harder, to create impact, to build network, to learn from my mistakes and build on. So to all the, all of the young girls who may be listening to this, one way or the other, listen, success is not an easy role. It comes with a lot of challenges, a lot of failures, and let your failure be that thing that inspires you to continue. Work on your art. Work on what you're working on. Fine tune it, tweak it. Talk to someone who have walked in that shoes before. Build network because it is very important to learn from experienced people. Um, we have a we have a mantra in Liberia that says, "You sit on the old mat to plant the new one." So the, the mat that we use, you have to sit on the old one to be able to make the the, the new one. So that is very true. You will definitely need um, to talk to other people who have walked in that shoes you want to walk in before. They will help you. They will show you the way. They will, you know, so do that. So never see your failure. It's just failure is just temporary. All of those who you hear today, we have the best, uh, I mean, today the competition in the technology world. Word. You have all these different phones, the iPhones, the Samsung, you know, the, the people who sat down, it didn't happen in the daytime. It took a lot of failure, you know, to be able to be successful. So I will encourage you, never let the failure hold you back.
0: Absolutely. And, You know, you spoke about growing up during the Civil War. And so I'm wondering when you think about the effects or the impacts that the war has had on the health of young people, how can the wider world support them? Well, I think at
1: many levels, um, the wider community need to first and foremost um, understand the context in which the impact of um, armed conflict has on young people, especially from a growing up kid. And now we're in this era of uh, high numbers of migration. Um, It is definitely challenging understanding the impact on how conflict has had on young people. Um, First of all, in terms of understanding where these young people are coming from, understanding the nature of the conflict, understanding how directly or even indirectly these conflicts have had on, on, on young people. There, for example, like during the civil war here in Liberia, many of, of our, um, I lost relatives, um, and me being subjected to a process of seeing um, lifeless bodies as a young, um, 12, 11, 10-year-old kid seeing dead bodies on the street, um, seeing how challenging when you're in the house, you're hearing loud gong sounds, rockets are blasting left, right and center. It's really very, it's, it's even very indescribable some of the things that we went through here in Liberia. Uh, seeing how um, colleagues of mine and relatives were were raped, some went through torture, Um, we were taken away from our families, Um, and there was some form of separation, we had to live through refugee camps to be subjected to hours of no food, Um, just living by the mercy of God. So it's really on many levels, the direct impact that conflicts have had on young people really should, should discourage any adult or any financier or people who plan and execute these conflict to understand first and foremost that this is wrong. That's at one level. But in terms of direct psychological and physical impact this has have on children, um, it is important for people to understand um, that these young people need food, need shelter, need education. The aspect that has to do with the sexual um, violence that lots of young women were subjected to during conflict. So, uh, so in understanding how to help these young people, first of all, like I said, we have to understand the nature of the conflict and where they're come, they're coming from, and how directly or indirectly the conflict have hampered them it definitely will be able to help um, you understand where the, the, the help is needed most. But most importantly, education, education, education.
0: Has the presence of COVID in our world taught you anything that you think it's important for others to know?
1: Well, absolutely. I think one of the most important lessons that COVID have taught all of us is the need to collaborate. And mm-hmm. we need to understand that um, when something is happening next door, we should not close our eyes and shut our doors and say, oh, that's their problem. Let them deal with that. It also taught us that this whole concept of Ubuntu, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> because, you know, because we are all one people. So something started in a little place um, in China, now has become a very global pandemic that have affected countries, affected way of lives, affected travels. So if there's anything we can learn out of COVID, is that this whole humanity, we should all care, we should all um support, we should all just give a helping hand if we can, you know, and try our best yeah. way possible to be to be, you know, united in in effort, and also on a the, on the personal or even on a local level, it also have exposed our continent and our countries and our institutions. How can we work harder to be able to help? Because we don't want to lose our humanity to something else. Because today is COVID, and it's becoming very difficult to deal with. What more? What What's going to happen there?
0: What is your greatest fear for humanity, and what kinds of things are you doing to stop that fear come to pass?
1: Um, to be honest, my uh, greatest fear will be um, something larger than COVID. You know, um, so what I'm doing. That what I'm doing right now is to continue to do what I can do wherever I find myself, whether it's in the private or public space, to use my platform, to use my voice, to sensitise, to inform, to raise awareness, to build um, networks, to contribute however I can, you mm-hmm. know, to do that. Even if I do not have all of the resources I need, but at least you know I can, I can, I can contribute mm-hmm. in whatever way possible.
0: And what would you say is your greatest hope for humanity?
1: My hope, honestly, is that um, good will triumph over evil and unity will triumph over division and that we will look at our differences and build on those. Yes, we can disagree to agree. We can be different And still have a good conversation. We don't have to be the same to, you know, to collaborate or to tolerate one another. You can have different views, but we should always find that place of meeting because of humanity.
0: Absolutely. I love that unity and diversity. Um, Kula, thank you so much for joining me and speaking to me today. I know we had a few technical difficulties but we made it work and you still had honestly the best answers ever so thank you so much you too thank you and
1: if you are looking for a book please read this child would be great for ellen jones
0: yes i thank loved so as i graduated in i hope you enjoyed this conversation today and don't forget to hit subscribe and give the show a rating and review wherever you enjoy your podcasts follow me at moongi.ngomane on instagram I'd love to hear from you and get your feedback on the show. I'll be back in a week with a new episode. Thank you for listening to Everyday Ubuntu.